Hi everyone, I'm David Green, Managing Partner for the Insight 222 People Analytics Program. Welcome to Episode 2 of Series 14 of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. BNY Mellon is America's oldest bank, having been created in 1784, and is currently on a journey of reinvention as it transforms into a digital organisation. The pandemic has accelerated this journey. That's where Joe Len Anderson, my guest on this week's episode, comes in. Jolene is a global head of human resources and with her team is responsible for translating the business strategy into the workforce strategy and igniting the passion of BNY Mellon's employees. As the business transformation was accelerated by the pandemic, Jolene and her team are focused on three key driving principles. First, operational resiliency. Second, service to customers. And third, employee well-being and safety. These three principles not only underpin the digital transformation, but the bank's culture too. In our conversation, Joe Len and I discuss the central role of HR in business transformation. We talk about how employee well-being was prioritized during the twin pandemics of 2020. We look at how resilience and inclusion are competencies that can be nurtured. Uh, the look at the central role of people data and analytics in the work that Joe Len and her team are doing. And we discuss why it's critical for CHROs to approach people transformation with intentionality right now and how to do this. This episode is a must listen for anyone interested or involved in the role of workforce strategy and business transformation. So that's business leaders, chief HR officers, and anyone in a strategy, people analytics, culture, or HR business partner role. This series of the Digital HR Leaders podcast is sponsored by Quantum Workplace. Success starts with your people. When employees succeed, your business succeeds. Quantum Workplace equips organizations with the most reliable solutions for employee, team, and business success. Their employee engagement and performance management tools help organizations listen to understand and leverage their talent to move business forward. Quantum Workplace's intuitive platform includes employee surveys, goals, recognition, feedback, one-on-one meetings, and robust people intelligence and analytics. Quantum Workplace has partnered with thousands of best places to work on their talent strategies, including Fossil, DSW, Panera, Redfin, Getty Images, BKD, and more. To learn more, visit www.quantumworkplace.com forward slash digital HR. That's www.quantumworkplace.com forward slash digital HR. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Jolene Anderson, Global Head of Human Resources at BMY Mellon to the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Welcome to the show, Jolene. It's great to have you on. Please, can you provide listeners with a brief introduction to you and your role at BMY Mellon? Thank you so much, David. I'm so excited to be here and appreciate the invitation to share some thoughts with your listeners today. I'm the CHRO at BMY Mellon, as you mentioned. I've spent more than 20 years in the intersection between technology and financial services. I started out my career as an antitrust litigator, actually, working on cases in the payment space before moving on to spend a lot of my time at a payments company, transitioned to a career in HR, first leading diversity and inclusion, and then doing a number of other things post that, and now have joined BNY Mellon, where I'm responsible for helping lead our HR transformation and supporting our people through many of the challenges that we've been facing throughout this year and beyond. And I also have responsibility for our ESG, corporate philanthropy, and corporate social responsibility areas as well. 
it's been quite a year, as, as you referenced in your introduction, Jolene. And yet, can you tell us a bit about the, the business environment of the bank and how the events of the past 12 to 14 months, I guess it is now, have, have disrupted the business? Yeah, it's a great it's a great question. And it's an understatement almost that it's been a year. And I, I joined BNY Mellon at a time where the organization was going through a transformation. You know, BNY Mellon is America's oldest bank. We have the privilege of always being at the center of helping uh, financial services and financial markets really thrive through our operation and our platform uh, that really operates at scale. And our business strategy has really been a journey of reinvention. It's been thinking about how we take this legacy financial services company and think about how we leverage our platform and push forward a digital agenda that allows clients and services to perform with excellent and execute in different ways. So it's interesting that on top of that, we have this moment that we're in right now where the virtual environment, the digital agenda, our ability to operate in a virtual form has been challenged more than ever. And the events of the past year have really accelerated the journey that we were already on. When the pandemic broke out, for example, we had to quickly transition the vast majority of our employees from working from home to being fully operational and open for business anywhere in the world. And the investments that thankfully we made in advance of this moment in our infrastructure, in our operating platform, in our cyber and information security, it really did benefit us from being able to make that transition quickly and support a broad scale remote working arrangement. And all of the security and controls that you can imagine that are required in a regulated bank that like we are, that govern when we're working inside the office, were fully in effect when we're working remotely as well. So it was fantastic to enable the journey that we've been on up until this moment that really prepared us for being able to ensure that our operations can continue without pause today. Now, it's, in, it's interesting what you said, Jolene, about how the pandemic has, uh, and let's be honest, it's not the only crisis of the last 12 months, which we're going to talk about, um, that has, has accelerated the, the journey of, of transformation that you're on. Certainly when I speak to your peers and other organisations, that's something that really resonates. And I think we've seen, um, and last year we spoke to Heather McGowan um, on the podcast, who's someone that's really looking at the future of work. And she talked about how, you know, the pandemic has accelerated the future of work. And I think what we're going to be talking about for the rest of our time together is how that is accelerating the work in, in some ways in a good way for, for our employees as well and, and the culture that we're trying to create within our organisation, which kind of leads me to the to the next part. You know, what is this transformation that, that, that you're on at the moment? What does it mean for the people side of the business? And how has the business approach been translated into, into workforce strategy? It's it's a great it's a great question. And I think the answer gets back to a word that you mentioned at the beginning, which is really going back to culture. Um, you know, as we've been on this journey at BNY Mellon, as I mentioned, it's been one that's been digital first. So thinking about how we really scale and drive operational resiliency in a way that powers our clients, in a way that ensures that we are bringing the most forward-thinking solutions to the way that we do business as a bank. And when the pandemic came in and we had to layer on uh, the principles of what would be required in this time against the transformation that we were going under, in many ways, we focused on three things. We focused on ensuring that operational resiliency in place. We focused on service to our clients. And we focused on the well-being and health and safety of our employees. 
And that thought of sort of operations, clients, and employees is in some ways the three principles that you need to ensure that you're enabling any transformation and creating any culture that's going to help power your business for the future. So one of the first things that we did is we thought about, in addition to, of course, the health and safety of our employees and all the foundational efforts that we were putting in place to ensure that that was the case, be it you know, supporting well-being initiatives, be it supporting well resiliency, things we were doing around telemedicine and vaccine support, time off for individuals, caregiver leave, all the things that really just brought forward the connection between this home and work environment, the reality that we needed to support people in their everyday lives so that they could do their best at work. We also thought about how do we ignite the passion in our employees? Because at the end of the day, we are all challenged. Every day there are things that people are facing, be it kids at home, the pressures of work, the pressures of the pandemic. And I, we, we said to ourselves, how do we ensure that every day as individuals are getting up for work, that that passion for excellence, that passion for delivery against who BNY Mellon is and, and the impact that we make in the overall financial markets is at the center of what we do. And so we use this moment to really think about how do we reignite that passion? And we made that at the center of new values that we actually introduced during this time. And we thought about a passion for excellence, ensuring uh, a strength and diversity, courage for leadership and integrity, all of that being at the center of the culture that we were trying to create And it's interesting enough that each of those aspects were the things that we needed to get through the pandemic in the the first place. So we used those two moments, the pandemic and sort of the the need to drive our business forward to make sure that we were making a connection uh, for what we wanted our culture to look like in the future. And as I mentioned, the safety and well-being of our employees also remained a top priority. And we wanted to make sure that whatever we did it was with those things in mind. And then our teams really understood how this moment, how the prioritization of their of their own well-being uh, would be the thing that really helped us ensure that we were driving the workforce transformation that aligns with transforming our business at the same time. It's interesting, is it, that, that kind of employee-first or employee-centric approach has almost been a feature, I think, of many organizations' response to, to the pandemic, which is it's good to see really it's heartwarming I think in, in many respects and it's I think it's the right thing to do but I think also probably long term it's probably the and it'd be interesting to see the research in years to come actually I think it will probably correlate quite nicely with business success as well as we hopefully at some point um, emerge out of the pandemic as well you know maybe before we dive into some of the detail of, of the people focused uh, initiatives you're currently working on I know our listeners would be interested to hear how you sustain an effective relationship with the business, which enables you to translate the business strategy into workforce strategy. You know, I think it's almost a secret source of of great HR in many respects. Can you can you tell us a a, a bit more about that? It's it's a great question. And and I and I would I think I agree with you uh, that you will see the connection between that focus around employee first initiatives and that opportunity to reinforce business strategy. So to your point, great HR is always in the search of how do we ensure that we're powering our business? How do we really create that connection between people and a business agenda? And it really starts with 
things that sometimes sound a little bit basic, but it's the truth, which is really understanding the business strategy, really staying close to what is trying to be accomplished and what the organizational goals are, and then thinking about how you align the people agenda to that. As I mentioned at the top, we've been undergoing a transformation at BNY Mellon that says that we need to move from an organization that has not necessarily always been digital first, that hasn't always been technology enabled, uh, that hasn't always been as agile as we need to be in responding to the moment to ensuring that our leaders are able to be more uh, technology focused, be more uh, solutions and uh, sort of uh, process driven in how they're approaching things, Uh, thinking about how they really leverage the tools and the people around them to drive business outcomes. And so as we thought about that sort of from to of what was happening in our business transformation, we had to think about what was required from a people standpoint and what were all the tools and skills and resources that we would need to ensure people were enabled and supported to creating those outcomes. And there's a number of things that we did to help support that. First, as I mentioned, starting with that sort of culture transformation, really making it clear to leaders what was expected from them. What are the values and the behaviors that were going to be required to lead in this moment? And then doing skills assessment to make sure that we were supporting individuals, both assessing what we had in the individuals and providing uh, the resources that would allow leaders to get the skills that they need to sort of drive our new business agenda. Uh, and then I think the last piece of it is thinking about that entire employee experience. You know, uh, as individuals are in BNY Mellon every day, how are we making it easy for work to get done so that they can meet the increasing demands and, and needs and expectations of our clients? So I think to your point, aligning that people agenda to that business transformation agenda really starts with a deep understanding of what is required in that moment and uh, ensuring that your people strategy matches up against that as well. And of course, if you if you don't align the people strategy with the business transformation, it's not likely you're going to succeed with the business transformation at the end of the day. Yeah, 100%, 100%. As we know that people... Uh, that people initiative, that people agenda, it's it's the most important thing. And I think we kept that in mind in that moment. Uh, And it's funny that we were so focused, as I mentioned, during during the pandemic, one of our principles was around operational resiliency. And I think we came to learn that that concept of resiliency was required required from a people perspective as well. Yeah. And actually, I think we're going to talk about that now, actually. You know, it'd be great to go into some of the initiatives that that you've highlighted. So let, let's do that. Let's let's talk about employee well-being and resilience. You know, what do firstly, what do these terms mean to you? Yeah. Why are they critical to address now, apart from the obvious, obviously? And, and what are you doing to uh, to address them? I think as we talked about, you know, the concept of employee well-being and resiliency was always going to be central to our people agenda. We wanted to make sure that we were creating a space where culturally people felt like they could truly bring their best to work. Um, that they felt that they were enabled to really uh, be focused on on the needs of our clients and and the needs of our business. And in this moment, I think the concept of resiliency was highlighted more than ever. And for me, the concept of resiliency is really a competency. Uh, It is really a skill that we need to think about ensuring that we both assess, uh, but also support our leaders are being able to demonstrate that skill in the future. One of the things that we always talk about is that change is constant. We know that. 
And so how are we equipping our workforce to really manage and navigate that change? And I think the experiences of the pandemic demonstrated to us that more now than ever, that personal resiliency, that ability to adapt and navigate through both challenges and change was going to be important um, and was the skill. In fact, I'm claiming it as the skill of the future um, because it is what leaders need in this moment to help ensure that they're enabling their workforce for success. And if we think about resiliency as a competency, then we can get to good old HR, old-fashioned HR, tried and true ways to build skill and competency in an organization. And we can think about all the interventions that we can put in place to help ensure that we're enabling that a competency, be it learning and development initiatives, being engagement with our managers, uh, being, again, assessments and measuring how leaders are thinking about resiliency, uh, bringing digital tools to help ensure that we're supporting individuals in the moment Uh, We were able to really sort of think about it in that way and bring all of those things to bear. So we did, you know, things around managing and remote workforces. We did things around assessing personal resiliency. We brought digital tools where individuals could assess how they were feeling in that moment and giving them some real-time interventions to help grow um, and address the stress that they might be feeling. Um, We also thought about what are the other tools that we could bring to place that would help that resiliency. So if you think about, again, the whole person, it's not just sort of that the moment of what do I need from a manager and a leadership perspective, but it's also thinking about what's happening in a personal environment. We're all in each other's homes today. You know, um, we're all in this moment and connected together. And it was it was now more than ever that you saw this connection between work and home. And so how could you ignore the needs of your employees in in that moment? And so we had to also think about caregiver leave. We had to think about childcare opportunities. We had to think about, you know, virtual summer camps for individuals who may have been struggling to determine what they were doing with their kids when their childcare needs fell through. Uh, Again, we had to think about things like telemedicine, uh, things that would help individuals assess their sleep, uh, daytime interruptions to go take a break, take a stretch, take a walk, take a pause to just reclaim a bit of your time. All of those things were real solutions and tools that we had to bring in place uh, to really grow this concept of resiliency being a competency. And then how are the interventions that you could design from an HR ecosystem standpoint to really help ensure individuals were enabled to grow that skill and that competency. I guess, it's, as you said, it's one of the skills or competencies that's really been come to the forefront in the last 12 months. And we were talking um, before we started the recording about, I think you, you've spoken recently with Ariana Huffington as well. And, and obviously Ariana and Donna Morris were on the podcast a, a few weeks ago. And actually, we talked about resiliency. We also talked about vulnerability and how it's so important that leaders number one show vulnerability and show that they're vulnerable it's actually not a weakness it's actually a strength particularly in situations where as you said change is constant and and we're dealing with things that maybe we haven't dealt with before in our professional lives and then the other the other thing that we we talked about there was that actually leaders setting an example around things like well-being as well um, you know, I don't know if you if you if you'd like to say anything yeah. about those two those two areas. I could not agree with that more. And, and as you mentioned, we also had a chance to speak with Ariana and share some of her thoughts with our workplace. 
And I think she does such a great job of modeling that leadership vulnerability. You know, one of the things that we we did at the time was we put together, we wanted to create a connection for our employees to, in some ways, say that we were all in this together. And to your point, everyone was experiencing challenges with navigating this environment. And so we put together something that we called the Working Together Pledge. And it just said to leaders that they were committing in this moment to share their experiences, to admit that they did not necessarily have it all figured out, to take time away from the video if they needed to, to check in on colleagues to see how they were doing. Uh, It was just an opportunity to say, listen, we're in this collective community together. We're all trying to navigate this and not everyone has it figured out. And so how do we create these supportive environments where people feel comfortable, where they feel permission expressing that vulnerability? And it's funny because it is that vulnerability. It is that expression of empathy that is required from our leaders today so that people know in that moment that they can take a break, that it's okay in some ways to not be okay. Um, And that if you, you need to raise your hand and ask for help. And we've repeated that message throughout our organization from our CEO to our entire executive committee to making sure that we're on this steady drumbeat of messages to our organization over and over and over and over again, sort of repeating this message of here are all the resources and the tools available to you. Here are all the ways in which we're trying to role model the support that might be out there. And here's how we create that safe space for you to raise your hand and access some of these tools and take advantage of the things that are being out there and demonstrating that leaders themselves are um, role modeling that and having to express more comfort around the vulnerability that we're all feeling about navigating this moment together. You know, as a leader or as a manager, you know, you know, you it's a new experience in many respects. You know, you're managing people virtually from this sort of setup like this and in, in Zoom. And it's it's actually, you know, clearly we need to be we need to be intentional about our employee employees well-being as well we also think about managers suddenly having to manage a completely remote team you know many exactly have had exa- experience of doing that before and if we don't help the managers and they can't help their, their people so you've got to enable the managers as well of course I 100% a- agree with that and to your point it isn't easy and in many ways, individuals are being challenged in ways that they have not been in the past. And as we've always talked about, particularly our managers are at the center of a little bit of that pressure, right? There's more demands on them to deliver, mm-hmm. uh, to contribute to the organization's bottom line, but also to lead in this moment, to pull the best out of their teams. And so how do we ensure that we're supporting our managers through that? And one of the things that we did was we have constant surveying that we're doing to our organization to take a pulse on what may be happening on yeah. a particular team with a particular manager. And there are there's data and analytics that we can use to understand what might be happening in a team, whether or not a team is undergoing particular pressure or stress uh, or maybe, you know, a manager in crisis in some ways. And so by using data and digital tools to be able to pinpoint that, we can actually identify specific interventions that we can then have with that manager to say, we notice that this is a moment in which you may need help. Again, we want to make sure that you're aware of the resources that are available to you. Or if you need to phone a friend, someone from our HR hotline and from our HR tools who can help coach you through this moment, 
We want to provide that on-demand coaching for you because our data is telling you that you're actually, you're, you know, your team is vulnerable right now to um, perhaps operational failures. Because again, it gets back to our business. If teams aren't operating effectively, if they're not, you know, sort of taking those moments to recharge, it's going to impact your business. So this is all part of ensuring that we're at the end of the day delivering for our clients because we have to have healthy teams, healthy managers able to operate in this moment to really ensure that they have what they need to deliver our business results. So it's it's very much all all connected to this to this sort of same moment. And it's interesting. I know we're going to talk a little bit more about the, the data and analytics part later, but you know, certainly a lot of the companies that that we, you know, big global companies we work with at Inside 222, you know, their people analytics teams are there is more regular surveying going on, looking at other types of data as well. And you can start to understand things about obviously working hours, how, what hours are people working, how many meetings they're attending, how much gaps are they getting, how much focus time are they getting. And and and, and then the, the, those great sort of insights and nudges that you can give to people around, for example, the importance of focus time and um, and how that supports well-being and, and burnout and productivity, I guess, as well. It's, it's a fascinating topic interesting another huge area of you know one of the the other big crisis i'd say of last year and let's be honest it, it didn't just happen last year it's been going on for forever and you'll know this from your experience you know you said at the start that you'd been working in diversity and inclusion you know for a long time you know the urgency for organizations to address diversity and inclusion has arguably never been stronger you know you know the events of last year really brought that through um, you know, let's talk a bit about that. You know, what are some of the initiatives that, that you're focused on at the bank and how are they going and, and what results and outcomes have you seen so far? It's a great question. And to your point, I, I, I very much also think about it as sort of two pandemics, two big moments of 2020 that HR and workforces were challenged by definitively what we saw with COVID-19, but also the movement around social justice and equality. And how DNI and equity being at the forefront of these conversations was brought um, together more more than ever, sort of in workplaces. And it, and I, it was a moment for us, I think, to accelerate the transformation in many ways, as we've been previously talking about um, that the COVID nineteen pandemic provided to us. And listen to your point, DNI has been something that we've been focused on at BNY Mellon for some time, and we're proud of the progress that we've been able to make. You know, 40% of our new hires are women, 45% of our new hires come from diverse backgrounds. We have one of the diverse boards on the street, 12 of our board members. Out of our 12 board members, three are women, um, and four represent uh, diverse ethnicity, ethnicity backgrounds, including three black directors. Um, we've been focused around really ensuring that the work that we do around equality, um, that we kind of put our money where our mouth is. So we've been really focused on from a philanthropy and from a skill building uh, perspective, thinking about how we do work in diverse communities. And so while all of that was going on as a backdrop, I still think we, like many other companies, were challenged in the moment that we saw in sort of mid-2020 about how do we support our workforce through this moment. And what we wanted to do, it goes back to, you'll see one of my, one of my things, it's always about competency. Because just like I believe resiliency is a competency, I think inclusion is a competency too. 
I think it is a skill that leaders can be held accountable for, that they can be uh, supported to develop, um, and that they can be um, assessed for in order to think about what are those leadership qualities and profiles that are going to help get the best out of a workforce in the future. And inclusion has to be one of those. So in the moment, we thought about how could we create connections? How could we support our managers, making sure that they had the tools and the resources that they needed to have conversations with their employees, to express that vulnerability that we've been speaking about, to sometimes say, I don't have all the answers, but I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to demonstrate a growth mindset and create a safe space for individuals on my team to have these dialogues about what different communities might be experiencing. So we went through a whole series of effort to first have some of those courageous conversations, again, modeling it at the top. So it's a little bit of a formula, right? So you think about what's the competency that you want to build? How do you model it from a leadership perspective? How do you get the resources to your manager? And then how do you build scale tools and interventions that can then affect broader populations? And while we thought about that from the pandemic and all the things that we did around resiliency and COVID-19, we also thought about that with inclusion. With our own CEO and our own executive team, we had those tough conversations. We were able to talk about what the different experiences were across the leadership team. We then pushed out that same model to our managers to say, you now need to go do this with your teams. Um, We gave leaders um, some tips and trainings about how to have those conversations. And now we've built scaled solutions that give our individuals uh, resources to access, things like unconscious bias trainings, things like inclusion as a leadership skill and competency, um, things like how to ensure Uh, that you can sort of pursue your own learning path around being exposed to different diverse communities. So it became a real intentional effort uh, to make sure that we're supporting our organization through this moment. Uh, And we also wanted to assess where we thought we had more work to do as an organization, because like everyone else, it's never perfect. And we have things that we need to still solve for. And so we uh, set goals for ourselves to hold ourselves accountable towards making progress in the space. So we've set three-year aspirations for where we want the diversity of our workforce to grow and to be. Um, But we're going to ensure that we're supporting that sort of diversity of our workforce and um, representation with how are we measuring our inclusive culture and the experience of how individuals are feeling about the ability to be welcomed in our environment, no matter the background and differences that you might bring to the table. And again, I, I mean, I, I, I haven't looked at the data, but I imagine you have one of the most diverse boards in the in your in your industry. I, I imagine, and I, yes, I again, yeah. I hypothesize that it's 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 probably easier. I use the easier in quotations to take the steps that you've taken because you already have a diverse board. So you've got those different experiences that you can bring to those leadership conversations. So, you know, I think it's, you know, and, and that leads on quite nicely, I guess, to the, the the next question, which is really, you know, what role did data analytics play throughout these initiatives or is it playing, because it's continuing these initiatives, you talked about the, the three-year aspiration plan, you know, how, how, are you, how are you measuring this? How are you tracking this? 
data and analytics always has to play a part of any uh, leadership or any initiatives that you're going to bring to your organization. And particularly something I know you can relate to and be passionate about when you're trying to lead good people practices, it has to start with an understanding of your, of your data and what is it telling you about the organization and what might be required. So as we pursued all the initiatives that we've brought to bear both from our sort of transformation as well as the acceleration, sort of using COVID and diversity and all these moments to accelerate the change. We've continuously used data to help both tell us where we need to design the interventions, uh, but also what was working, what wasn't, how we could pivot, how we could be agile, what was the story and the impact that we were trying to have uh, for what we were bringing to bear. So I mentioned one example, which was you know, staying close to our workforce and our managers and be able to say, we've used a bunch of sort of indicators to tell us that this is a team that requires an intervention. Um, and so we're going to go off and have specific conversations with that manager so that we can do targeted solutions that will really help ensure the individual is able to achieve what they want. We look at the diversity of our organization to tell us what's happening in our pipeline, both from a recruiting standpoint, a promotion standpoint, a compensation standpoint, how can we look at those things to determine, are we getting the outcomes that we want? Are we ensuring that we are in truly meeting the goals that we've set for ourselves? And if we have some indication that a promotion process is perhaps not as fair or as equitable or driving the outcomes that we want, our recruiting practices aren't bringing the diversity of pipeline that will then enable us to ensure that we're growing our representation where can we develop solutions to help create um, and, and to help close those gaps and ensure that we're aligning to our goals? So that becomes a second piece of data. You know, we take something uh, as tactical as like onboarding, and we're also able to say, how does that impact engagement uh, with our long-term employees? So, you know, when we're looking about uh, engagement, for example, we were able to sort of look at data and say, Something as simple as making sure you have the right tools on day one, no yeah. surprise, can ensure that you have a more engaged worker right away. And we can we can demonstrate that shows when we've closed the gap with either making a certain tool available or pushing out a certain solution, we've seen the engagement of that employee grow. Uh, and those are real indicators that tell you the success of the story, that tell you your investments are worth it. And that you're continuing to really, again, as we started and we've has been a theme through our conversation, supporting the underlying business goals, because now you have employees who are more effective, more engaged, delivering higher output, uh, and really helping support an organization in the time when it's a most critical need. Yeah, I, lo I love what you're saying there. I mean, well, I've loved lots, pretty much all of what you've been saying, but you know, throughout the conversation, you've talked about the need for us in HR leaders, HR professionals to understand the business strategy, obviously tie what we're trying to do on the people side to the business strategy. And then that lovely comment there about, you know, if we want to achieve anything that we always need to bring data and analytics to the conversation. So yeah, that's definitely music for my ears and I'm sure, sure our listeners too. I mean, let's, 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 Jolene, let's now take a sort of more of a macro um, sort of approach to the last, uh, we're coming, uh, unfortunately approaching the end of our discussion. I happily carry on for a long time, but 
our our producer who always always moans at the uh, mentioning his name will will we'll cut us after a while. <laughs> um, you've mentioned previously the importance of of using the pandemic as a mandate for change and and the intentionality that's required to sustain that change. Now, why is it so critical for for chief HR officers to approach people transformation with intention right now, uh, and how can they do this? I think that intentionality is another thing that I think is really important, and that word is important. Uh, one of the things that I think was fortunate for BNY Mellon was that we were very, we were clear that we were on a change and transformation journey, and we were also clear what the people strategy would be required to support us on that journey. And so because of that clarity, because of that vision, we were able to use these moments, these acceleration moments to intentionally drive us down the path and the change that we knew would align with our future state. And so in other words, many of the changes that I mentioned with respect to well-being, the investments that we made in mental health, the investments that we made in our healthcare plan, we didn't just do that for COVID. We did that on a permanent basis. We made sure that those were embedded in the ways in which we would be supporting our employees on an ongoing basis. The ways in which we've pivoted and responded to DNI, again, it wasn't accidental. We were it was accelerated. It was, you know, sort of three years of work in a 12-month period, but it was change that we knew was going to be required anyway. It was priorities that we were required to set for the organization anyway. And so all the things that we've done, they haven't just been sort of for that moment or for, uh, you know, in response to something that we were seeing, they took us further on the journey that we were already uh, undergoing um, and became permanent parts of the culture that we are trying to establish in the organization on a go forward basis. So I think if you don't have that intentionality, if you don't have that clarity of vision and strategy, if you don't understand that business connection and what's gonna be required from a people perspective, you're sort of going to be much more responsive, much more reactive, and you can't be as sure about the changes that you're making to date. And listen, we don't all have it figured out. As we know, and we talked about, change is constant. So we don't have all the facts today. Uh, We are going to have to figure out something new and pivot. But if you have those principles, if you have that foundation of, this is what's important to our organization. These are our values. These are the culture that we're trying to bring. As you're facing those changes, as you're making those decisions, you have the the sort of consistent thing to come back to that allows you to be very intentional in the strategies and the solutions that you embed and that you approach. And so while we haven't had all the facts, while we've, like many, still been sort of navigating what is the future of work, when are we going to be ready to come back to to the office, is social distance required, yes or no, are people going to have to wear masks, all of those things are things that we don't have answers to. But we are clear that we want to create a culture where employees are prioritized, where well-being is important, where inclusion is part of who we are, where passion is at our core, where client excellence is at our core, where having the courage to lead is at our core. And being clear on those things allows us to then embed solutions that support them and really can sustain our organization for the long term. Yeah, I love, I love what you said there. You know what, you know the work that, that you've been doing at the bank and other organisations have been doing, and this focus on 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 employee wellbeing and putting the employee at the centre. As you said, it's not temporary; it's it's there, hopefully for for good now. You know, and and we'll start to see the benefit of that, I guess, in our business results as well. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it is still that change is constant, that uncertainty that you talked about around when do we go back to the workplace? Because let's be honest, people call it return to work. No, no, we're still working. We're probably working harder than we've ever worked. But when we can actually go back to the workplace, what does that mean in terms of social distancing? What does that mean in terms of what the office is going to be used for? Is it going to be used for more uh, innovative and collaborative work? You know, and we're going to we're going to do the 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 individual stuff more from home. Who knows? I mean, and again, there's not one answer, is there? It depends on the organisation you work with. It depends on it depends in many respects on the employee themselves as well. So, really exactly. interesting, interesting stuff. It, you know, as we move to the final question now, Jolene. You know, we're asking everyone this question on the series. You know, and maybe it's very resonant with what we've talked about throughout, really. You know, many companies have, have done away with their annual uh, performance management cycle over the last few years. And, but we haven't really seen a new consistent model replace it as quickly as everyone expected. You know, how do you think companies should approach performance management in the future? You know, and maybe is it something that you're looking at as part of your transformation process? Uh, it's, it's a great question. And performance management, what the best uh, system should be, has been one of those, uh, another one of those old, age-old HR debates. And we've seen lots of shifts uh, th- over time of what is best in class and moving from either sort of no ratings to distributed uh, guidelines to uh, lots of different things in between. But I think one of the things that's constant in the way that we're thinking about it as we reshape this for for the future for us, because it is something that we're undertaking right now, is how do we shift the focus to really be one on people rather than just metrics? So how do we ensure that at the end of the day, people are getting the information they need to both assess their performance against the goals that have been established, um, but also think about their own development? And those have to be real conversations that are based on feedback, which is another thing that we're trying to enable and create is ensuring that there's lots of open mechanisms for feedback, uh, that development is prioritized in that conversation. And that, again, there are clear business goals, because I think any performance management conversation has to start with the goals that you said at the beginning. And I don't think there's always been enough focus upstream uh, we kind of get to the end and we want to assess individuals against the, you know, what they what was accomplished without being clear on what we asked them to do in the first instance. Uh, and so I think we're spending a lot more time speaking with our organization about what does goal setting mean? How do you set clear goals? How do you measure that? Making sure that feedback is a clear part of that and creating lots of open mechanisms where individuals can get that sort of 360 view of measuring their performance uh, and then also saying this is not just about an assessment, but it's also about development. So yeah. what's next for you? And those have to be the three components of any good performance management system in our point of view. And the design that we're pursuing is ones that are going to allow us to prioritize each of those things. Yeah, and as you said, it's, it's that linking that performance against clear business goals, development, and maybe also, I guess, mobility as well. So it's looking, you know, bringing some of these traditional siloed HR programs together looking at it across exactly but no easy feat for sure uh and i think it's something as we talked about we'll continue to develop and and be agile around and and make sure that we have best practices where we can and and continue to learn from each other in the industry because um because that's what that's what we do as you as we started from the beginning change is constant and this will be another one we'll have to adapt 
depending upon what the needs of our organization may be in the future. Well, Jolene, it's, I've really thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. You know, and I, it's great. It's on the day that your kids have finally gone back to school as well. So uh, that, that, that's uh, something to remember it by, maybe. That, um, that is correct. I've appreciated the focus time. Normally, I would hear there would be some child ready to run through at any given moment. Um, I would hear steps along uh, sort of from the roof with my kids running across the floor. So it has almost been a little bit of a shift to be able to focus 100% on this conversation and share this time with you and your listeners um, as we continue to sort of navigate this, uh, navigate this time that we're all in. And it's, it's constant and it's changing. Um, uh, but it's really great to take the moment to have this dialogue. Well, thank you much, Jonah. Last question. How can people stay in touch with you? You know, how can they stay in touch with you and follow you on social media? I'm active on LinkedIn. So please uh, let me know. I would love to get a personal connection from anyone who would like to stay in touch. Um, And I really enjoy engaging with individuals who uh, may share best practices, tips and ideas. I also like really sharing content, things that I'm seeing in the industry, things that I'm learning during my space. So please find me on LinkedIn. I'd love to be connected. Well, Jolene, I will certainly do that. It's been wonderful to talk to you. And thank you very much for your time and sharing the brilliant work that you and the team are doing at BNY Mellon with our listeners. Thank you. It's really great to be here. I've very much enjoyed the conversation. Appreciate you making the time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. You can subscribe via your podcast app of choice. If you did enjoy listening, please do rate the show on your podcast app and share it with your friends and colleagues via social media. We rely on your feedback and support to keep being able to make the podcast. If you haven't already, do check out the My HR Future Academy at myhrfuture.com. It's a learning experience platform for HR professionals looking to get certified in people analytics, digital HR, and workforce planning. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter by going to the My HR Future website. That's all for this episode. But please make sure you tune in next week when we'll be speaking to Greg Harris, CEO at Quantum Workplace, on why employee experience and performance management are two sides of the same coin. So don't miss that one. Until then, stay safe, stay well, and I'll see you next time.